0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by John Robert Matz for Ambition, A Minuet in Power. It's an adventure game slash interactive visual novel with all sorts of romance options set uh, during the ramp-up of the French Revolution in the 1780s. John Robert's music also is set in the 1780s, which was the height of the classical era in music. So composers like Wolfgang Mozart and Joseph Haydn They were popular everywhere, including France, even if they weren't French. So that was the name of the game in the 1780s, Mozart and Haydn. Uh, So we'll get to John Robert shortly. Few things though first, Uh, one to do with Discord, one to do with a lawnmower, the other to do with the YouTube video. So first, Discord, please join us there. No cost to you to join us on Discord, although we do have a special channel set aside for patrons. Uh, But on the server itself, we share music we like, We, of course, talk about games. I talk about the playlists I post on YouTube. We talk about episodes, all kinds of chatting. And, of course, we share pics about our pets, obviously. Um, So, anyway, there's a link to the Discord in the show notes. Uh, Secondly, John Robert's neighbor fired up their lawnmower the instant we hit record. I can't even... Oh, my gosh. It was hilarious. Uh, And we just decided to keep recording because, you know, we were talking. It was nice. So we decided not to reschedule. Go ahead and record. So you're going to hear some lawnmower almost assuredly in the beginning kind of coming and going, but it will stop eventually. So the last thing I need to say, and this has absolutely no effect on the audio podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast right now, no big deal. But the YouTube video itself, I forgot to hit record on the video until about 20 minutes in. So after that, there is video. Uh, but not for the first, uh, give or take, 20 minutes. Head over to our YouTube channel, check out this video, all the other videos that we have up on our YouTube channel, and do subscribe so you don't miss any in the future. All right, here is John Robert Matz talking about his music for Ambition, A Minuet
1: in Power. ¶¶ Ambition, a minuet in power, uh, is a an interesting uh, little uh, uh, interesting little game. Uh, it is basically, uh, I would describe it like my background. I would describe it as an adventure game. Some people would describe it more as like a uh, a visual novel or a dating sim, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but that's maybe a little uh, reductive. It's it is uh, it was built originally to be a basically a, a, a kind of a roguelike uh, adventure set in a Paris on the eve of the French Revolution. Uh, you play a young lady named Yvette who has uh, just shown up in Paris, just arrived in Paris to meet her her fiance, uh, Armand, who is a, a nobleman of, uh, uh, you know, of some of some repute. Uh, they met in the country and they've they've had this lovely uh, this lovely relationship. He proposed and, you know, he sent, you know, sends for her. She go, travels to Paris and she gets there. And spoilers, he's not there he's vanished Uh, and it turns out that uh, there is some intrigue around his disappearance and also uh, he may have been involved in some sticky political skullduggery Uh, and we end up like starting to tease out the mystery of where he went, uh, as well as interacting with the various factions uh, in play in Paris at the time. Uh, so you've got, you know, the crown, the the royalty, uh, the, sorry, the, the royalist faction, uh, you've got your revolutionary factions, uh, you've got your, your bourgeoisie, your uh, church faction, and your military faction, and they're all kind of allied with each other, or loosely associated with, or, you know, uh, and, and as, as things unravel uh, throughout the game you, you basically spend a lot of your time planning your social calendar and traveling from you know around the city to meet people buy fancy clothes uh, make new friends get invited to new parties and then you go to parties where you meet interesting people uh, <laughs> and uh, like start to uh, take apart uh yeah, some various plot lines and the, the way the game works is like we started it off building it as like an actual roguelike like hey there's going to be you know there are fail states you can't save you you will you'll have to retry it every time uh, and we softened on that and we wound up like there's a lot of the roguelike DNA that remains like lots of uh, plot elements get shuffled around when you meet different characters will change depending on uh, you know uh, things happening behind the scenes uh, some of it's random some of it is dependent on uh, how different conversations apply played out with different factions or different leaders of different factions there are a whole bunch of romanceable characters that are a lot of them are based on actual historical figures that exist uh and so you can completely abandon your fiance and go off and date (laughs) various interesting historical characters if you so desire uh you know or if the if the dice happen to land that way uh in your playthrough and like you know it, it describes a really interesting arc because you have this pivotal moment in history you have this unrest brewing you have factions kind of vying for power and over the course of multiple acts the game kind of follows this city going from mm, tension to sparks of like serious disaster potentially or like serious upheaval to actually like how would you react when things start to go bad to hey the revolution is happening, uh, and then you don't even know which way it's going to turn. The crown could come out victorious, put down the revolution, in which case, hey, you know, you might find yourself on the wrong side at the end and brought up on trial for, uh, you know, treason or treason against the revolution or whatever. Uh, And so, like, then you have a whole kind of endgame that plays out because of that. So it's it's a lot of branching paths. It's a very very neat uh, narrative that was put together by our uh, lead writer uh, and, and our main designer, uh, Luther Patenji. And uh, it's it's a fun place to get to write music for. Like that's yeah. grammar is broken in that phrase, but you get the idea. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a it was a thrill to kind of get to work on. Um, where else do you get to write? Period music in a ton of different styles for a game that is set in, you know, at this pivotal moment in history.
0: So talk more about that. Well, before we get there, because that I have a feeling could be a very long conversation. But uh, how did you get involved with the project in the first place? How did you become a part of the team?
1: Uh, it's it's kind of kind of wild. Uh, it was uh, I was GDC of 2017. I think it was. Um, we had uh, it was the year that. Uh, that uh, a game that I'd written music for, uh, Fossil Echo, was up for a gang award. uh, And it was um, at GDC, which happens every year, at least pre-pandemic, in San Francisco. uh, We have a kind of a game audio hangout night on Tuesday night uh, it's in the California Pizza Kitchen, uh, a few blocks away uh, and a lot of game audio folks, composers, sound designers, voice actors all just kind of show up there and we have a nice time and we mingle and stuff and I got introduced to Luther uh, there uh, by a friend and you know he was like, I think you should meet John. He's exactly the kind of person that you'd want for your new project and he pitched this weird game on me and I'm like we're doing. Historical setting with got a lot of research uh, going into this, and I of course grew up, you know, playing trumpet in orchestras and stuff like that, like in playing a lot of Mozart and other period composers, you know, from that from that era, and you know, shortly after and before, and like this is something that I've grown up listening to, you know, on records and also sitting in the in the orchestra and playing, and that sounded super compelling to me to kind of get to write you know a period score for a game like this uh, and so like that was that was kind of the beginning of this uh, of this of this deal we we uh, struck a, uh, a friendship up right there uh, at GDC and uh, it spun out after that we we geared up for a Kickstarter that went uh, went live later that year I believe and uh, uh, wrote my first bit of music for that and uh, the rest as they say is history. What would be, you know, in in Western music history would be called the classical era uh, at this point. So that means you've got people like Mozart who are doing stuff. You've got. Uh, Haydn uh, over there at like the Esterhazy Palace, uh, like writing his string quartets, not knowing how amazingly successful he is. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, a very young maybe Beethoven starting to like dabble with stuff. You got, uh, you know, and and then you've got people from the last generation who are, you know, you got Baroque influences still around the edges of things. And I realized like we've got these five factions, right? Uh, what if we gave each faction Uh, a distinct voice. Uh, You know, we've got the crown, the revolution, the bourgeoisie, the church, and the military. And that's like five different groups. Uh, And we were going to be, you know, able to visit uh, these, these faction parties, these basically like, you know, social events that we would go and drop into. And I thought, well, what if we treat each one of these like it's going to be its own uh its own little ensemble with its own like playlist of music for dancing and mingling by right (laughs) and with that in mind uh i started to think about what kind of ensembles we would we would have and what kind of uh, musical approach each faction should take and so we have things like the revolutionary faction for example is this very kind of like a rustic ensemble One of the interesting, uh, interesting bits that like very early on was like, Luther had wanted like, could we have some kind of like an accordion or something like that in there? And I'm like, technically. <laughs> I did a lot of digging. There is no precedent for any kind of accordion or concertina type instrument at that period, but there were like portable reed organs and stuff like that that people <laughs> might bring. So I'm like, sure, let's <laughs> shoehorn sh- this in. And so it's a little bit of like this rustic ensemble, like with a mm-hmm. uh, baroque flute played by uh, Greg Oroz, who's a, a good friend of mine, who like managed to get a hold of you know a period instrument from his uh, from his you know school's uh, wind department, nice. uh, and and play that stuff on like a and his. historical instrument we have that and clavichord and this reed organ and like uh bass played pizzicato just because it kind of filled things out a little bit more it's a little bit of hodgepodge but it sounds nice and we eventually get to like take those themes and develop them as the revolution grows and in power throughout the game But then like on the flip side of that we looked at like hey like so that's very rustic and very small and kind of uh, a little hard scrabble. let's look at the crown faction I'm like well they're a little they're very ornate they're they're gonna sound more fancy they're gonna be big and expensive and probably out of touch <laughs> so let's let's pull from like the very late baroque still Let's get, like, the sound of the late Baroque. Let's get harpsichord and, you know, orchestra and trumpets and timpani and, like, give us a sound that feels maybe 20 years out of date, you know, yeah. and uh, and make that be what it is, right? It's still expensive and ornate and sophisticated, but also they're not in touch with where things are going. Uh, And that gives us a different sound to explore. So when you arrive at a party hosted by the crown, by someone from the crown faction, we're going to have a different sort of feel. And then you get stuff like, hey, the bourgeoisie are very upwardly mobile middle class. They've got, uh, they're very, very fashion conscious. They're having, you know, salons and like these lovely apartments that are very well appointed. But they're also kind of cutting edge. And so I'm like, well, you know what? It's also maybe they don't have. There's almost a, a a distaste to the absolute wealth and luxury that you'd have. So let's go a little bit more trim, a little more classy, and like let's have a string quartet. Let's take like like Haydn-esque sounds. Like that is very. It's a very popular thing, right? But it's also very modern, very chic, very now, if you're <laughs> living in you know, 1890. And yeah. so uh, I got to work with my good friends, uh, the Vidari String Quartet, and pull them in and Don't get them, them to... They're wonderful. They're so amazing. <laughs> ¶¶ Uh, and and like they did a spectacular job with that. Like yeah. like digressing slightly, they were going to be the ensemble that we record in one place and have like this great sound. But the pandemic made sure that didn't happen, and we wound up recording <laughs> all of them individually and putting it together in post. Yeah. And it, it worked out great. But it's like, oh, what a what a little what an exciting wrinkle. But like you know, the, <laughs> we have the the uh, the bourgeoisie faction. You know, has this this unique sound as a result. We're going with this more modern, more agile, more clever string quartet. You know, military faction, we're gonna like pull on uh, as many like the sounds of like you know, military wind ensemble, like it's it's outdoor music, all their stuff is held outdoors, intense. It's gonna be, you know, so I started pulling from like I know it's a little out of date, but like pulling from like. You know, uh, handles music for the royal fireworks and water mm-hmm. music and stuff like that, and pulling from those things as well as like some of the instrumentation that uh, like Beethoven used for some of his uh, military band writing, uh, yeah. which is not super popular, but it, or it's not super well known, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but it is definitely like a neat ensemble, and so we created like a different, you know, a wind and percussion band for that. And then you've got like the church and the church is, well, it's, it's this outside influence. And originally I was like, well, the church, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're thinking, you know, cathedrals and, you know, the spiritual side of it. But like, no, wait, 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 this is a game about politics this is, this is a Machiavellian influence. This is, this is maybe, we're going to take this in a more interesting angle, uh, and we're going to pull from Vivaldi. Let's lean into, like, some, like, let's make this sound somehow something like you'd hear in Venice or Rome, and and start pulling, uh, with, like, a smaller ensemble, harpsichord, uh, violin, and cello, and have that kind of sound of, like, a trio, and pull from things that have this kind of intense dark drama. Very emotional and raw, but it also has a quality to it that is like there's some intrigue, perhaps around the edges here. You know, the 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 church is definitely exerting its influence over events. They want things to go a certain way, uh, and. We're gonna let's let's play into it. this. Is this is a church that maybe has like some back dealings and some uh, uh, some pull behind the scenes rather than necessarily like a super you know like focusing on the piety uh, or the spirituality of it. And uh, yeah. I think that that was a much like a very solid approach for it. So we have these different ensembles, one for each faction, yeah. and they have their own little suites of music that we get to hear when we go and uh, interact with those factions. So great. And
0: I'm curious, what's the biggest ensemble? Which faction had the biggest band?
1: Well, okay, so this is um, a little bit of a cop-out because (laughs) there are two ways I can answer this. Um, Spoilers uh, for one of these things. But so the biggest ensemble is, um, by definition, the biggest ensemble... Man, this is like three ways I can answer this question. (laughs) The largest ensemble that you hear in the main game yeah. is the crown faction because okay. we have a full broke orchestra we have string section and harpsichord and horns and like you know some wind instruments and like it's a, it's a full ensemble yeah. um, however all of our strings are three people uh, so yeah. <laughs> it is all Andrew Steffen playing wonderfully. He he brought in like six violins with very different timbres and like two wow. violas, and yeah. gave me all the violins and violas. And then <laughs> Andrew uh, Andrew Stern played cellos, and Sam Babinski played bass, and they just multi tracked themselves to give me a full string section. Ew. So it's three people, yeah, <laughs> giving us like sixteen people. So it's kind of <laughs> cheating to say that there were more Not people involved in like the military faction ensemble <laughs> because they're only multi-tracking themselves a little bit <laughs> uh technically more yeah. names on that at least okay. um but then of course i could get really like throw another monkey wrench in and there is if the the revolutionary faction wins we have a rather substantial piece of music that we get that features a very large orchestra and and full choir with uh, the wonderful Annie Rosen as soloist, nice. doing a a setting of the Revolutionary Factions theme as a kind of le uh, a kind of like style, uh, patriotic, Vive la France kind of marching song, like a a revolutionary rallying cry uh, that is intentionally written in the style of something like. 40 years it's Ravel-esque in many ways like it's it is it is very dramatic and so technically that could be the revolutionary faction if you want to get precise but you know anyway it's it's uh but it's a fun piece
0: This era it was also the era of salon music, right? And that's just so prevalent as well in yeah. the flavor of your soundtrack. And, you know, salon music being like little ensembles, people getting together, making music together. So chamber music and salon music, yep. kind of synonymous in some ways. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about writing for, you know, these smaller groups.
1: Well, um, like the very first thing that like as a... As a as a working composer you have to think about it's like how am I going to accomplish this? <laughs> how am I going to write this music and make <laughs> it sound good? Um like you don't get in video game scores and film scores very often nowadays. You don't get to write like intimate small things very frequently. Like it's yeah. it's maybe a little bit but like everything is big, always big and you know epic and mm-hmm. you know the sound that is kind of pioneered by people like like Hans Zimmer etc is is the kind of the sound in a lot of things. This is very much not what this game is and not what the sound is for this. And I'm trying to do my best to give, uh, to achieve a historically plausible sound, even though, I am definitely, like, a huge part of, like, the sound of this period and the music of this period is, is built on the form of pieces. And I can't necessarily follow those forms as well as i like because video game music. But <laughs> I'm still trying to capture the sound of the ensemble and, like, these small intimate groups. And one of the things I realized very early on as, you know, when I started thinking about this is... I can't do this with any samples. Like it's a small budget game. We don't have a lot of money, but I really can't get away with like a sampled string quartet is not going to sound good. It's not going to have the expression that you want. Um, you're not going to get by with even like, even like the orchestral stuff is a chamber orchestra at best, you know, a small one at that. Like it's, it is like four violins and then, you know, four violin ones, four violin twos, three violas, you know, two bases at, at most, you know, maybe one bass and two cellos. Like it's, it's small. Yeah. Uh, and that is a sound that we don't have any, if there are any composers out there, there's not a lot of sample libraries that representatively like a well, you know, represent, represent that on that sound, uh, that size of an ensemble. Well, like nothing mm-hmm. sounds good there. And so you're left going, okay, well, How can I do this? The answer is to come up with a very clever solution for uh, recording, uh, basically counting your friends, not counting your friends, but like hiring (laughs) your friends uh, to play stuff in a way that is going to be pretty easy for them to do. Uh, And granted, yes, puts a lot of work on me to put it all together in the back end, but taking like a you know a single person and giving us a whole string section with that sound you know mm-hmm. or you know or like leaning on like smaller ensembles like you know uh uh Michaela Noctigal and Andrew Dunn playing uh violin and cello respectively for the church's music and then I just played all the harpsichord parts myself <laughs> In that piece, like the harpsichord is sampled. Uh, I have a good sample for that. Uh, yeah, that and one's I can, a little
0: easier to sample, wouldn't you say? A harpsichord, exactly. you know. It's, yeah.
1: one of, it, it's definitely one of the easier one, uh, options mm-hmm. out there just because it's an instrument that you have. Yeah, sure, you have multiple stops that you could engage to engage, you know, different sets of strings, but mm-hmm. you're you've got no real like dynamic expression. So you can get a really good sample of that. And mm-hmm. Hey, I can play it well enough to kind of muddle through and clean <laughs> up my mistakes afterwards yeah. if I need to. And like doing that thing, like, Hey, it's a small ensemble, but you have so much humanity given by these two wonderful soloists, you know, and, you mm-hmm. know, interacting with each other and playing off each other's parts that it just works really well. Um, and these small ensemble stuff, like, like it, it, it is uh it is something that you like basically you just, you don't get to hear very often and i was really glad to kind of bring it to the forefront for this
0: yeah and i loved how you did use you know, the Baroque influence, too, because uh, yeah, this is how eras change, right? You know, there are still mm-hmm. people who love the old stuff. And especially in that time, you know, if you had a harpsichord, it's not like you had a ton of money to go out and get all the yeah. n- latest keyboards or
1: whatever. And, and, like, and, and the pianoforte was like, uh, or forte piano was like, this is, this is an instrument that is just beginning to come into its own. And, exactly. And like, you know, coming up with like trying to figure out, okay, we're going to use that. So I u- wound up using piano. Well, actually... So originally I wanted to try to be as close to historically accurate as possible. But one Mm -hmm. of the problems I realized very quickly is historical piano is a notably different sound and (laughs) there are no sample libraries for that. Hilarious. So there's no one that there's like, there's like a few that people have done, but they are easily 15, 20 years old and they don't sound good. So I decided like at some point along the way to make kind of an executive decision of like, we're taking the, what I would consider the, the Amadeus approach, (laughs) <laughs> where we are performing the music, you know, we're playing it well but we're not doing like historically informed performance we're not using yeah. you know we're not using we're not down tuning all of our strings and playing with like yeah. you know uh, like gut strings and 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 whatnot to try to like mm-hmm. give it that actual sound no we're gonna make it we're gonna be modern instruments but we're gonna play it with as much of the stylistic elements that we possibly can to make it as real as possible yeah. and that includes like you know in this case it's a nice Steinway uh, for our <laughs> piano but it's fine it works <laughs> uh, you know and it's it's a good sound and like it's a little one of those little like technical wrinkles along the way trying to figure out like what's the best way to do this you know mm-hmm. i you know i played all the horn parts but i don't own a natural horn uh so uh <laughs> yeah. we made we made the best that we could you know did the best <laughs> yeah. that we can you know yeah. um and i think honestly like all altogether though it it sounds utterly unlike anything else out there like nobody's writing this kind of music and it was fun to get to do that
0: So, you know, you've mentioned a couple times you play horn. You you grew up, play, well, you know, trumpet was your main instrument when you were younger, right? And you would still call your primary instrument, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trumpet players, uh, uh, people in certain families can play other instruments in that family mm-hmm. is, with some ease, generally speaking. So, you know, you're especially horn, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a... I- yeah but yeah but there are other things too and you have a beautiful singing voice too which you have done on other people's projects so talk about that if you would just all the things you play and, and stuff
1: so uh, on this thing like I, like I said I played I played the keyboard instruments um, I played uh, I played horn on anything it needed horn um, I played trumpet on the few things that I got to write trumpet for <laughs> um, I also like used um, uh, I used recorder uh, for, uh, for the few instances that we hear, uh, there's a character in this, uh, associated with the, with the crown faction who has a theme, uh, that is, that is, uh, played on recorder, uh, Ludovico. He's a, a, uh, an, an Italian priest who you encounter, uh, at some point in the game. And there's a kind of an, uh, there's an element to him that I, I kind of liked, like, liked the innocence of his character. And I thought, let's. Use this mostly, mostly because I could get the sound that I wanted out of it, and you know I can just you know reach over here and hopefully yeah dropping things you know uh (laughs) you know just play a little bit. That was a terrible example, but just like play a little bit of uh you know just a little bit of a recorder. I'm not a great recorder player, but I do okay, and it's one of these instruments that I can play, and then I could provide stuff for him, so I didn't have to like you know bring someone else in to do it. Also played some clarinets for some things fun anecdote uh, Chris Vaughn played clarinet for uh, for one of our one of our characters. Uh, themes I had originally played clarinet on it and wrote a slightly simpler part uh, and then I ran it past him because he's a good friend and I tend to run stuff past him uh, and, I, and he says well you know your tone sounds like a middle schooler but you know I'm like <laughs> oh okay all right all right all right would you like to play clarinet yes. kind sir and, and he said yes so Chris Vaughn recorded the clarinet parts for that much better nice. than I would have yeah. uh, Lori Singajewski also played clarinet for the stuff in the orchestral stuff. But uh, in the orchestral settings, but but uh, yeah. but yeah, that was uh, that was a moment. Like, all right, well, <laughs> that's my limits. Apparently, I could play horn and recorder well enough, and trumpets and stuff like that. But yeah. maybe not push press <laughs> my luck on the record on the uh, on the uh, clarinet stuff. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> but
0: singing too. I mean, talk about
1: that. Yeah. So um, I am a professional, like classically trained tenor. Um, I. Like I, I love to sing. I've been doing that before, since before I've been playing trumpet. Uh, and I don't get to sing very much on my own music, uh, on my own scores. Uh, I've managed to shoehorn it in a few times. I did it uh, a little bit in Fossil Echo, uh, but mostly I tend to get like, like. Brought on to sing for other people's music. Um, I've done a few things uh, with uh, with my band, the Game Brass. So sometimes we're like, "Hey, let's have uh, let's have us sing," and I'll do some stuff there. But for this, I didn't write a lot of vocal music. Uh, I, there's only one piece that actually uses voice, and I originally thought I would try to like write it and sing the the solo part for this thing. It's just like I mentioned it earlier, the final track that we hear uh, with the revolutionary faction. If mm-hmm. they if they come out victorious, we get this triumphant state you know setting of the uh, of their theme, uh, with lyrics by Marilou Lopez Aguilera, who uh, I'm working actually with on another project as well. Uh, she's cool. a wonderful lyricist. Uh, and we came up with these just great like very clever lyrics referencing things around the revolution. It was tried to rest to make it feel very, very much like a historical, uh, you know, a, a, an actual, like, this is something that would have been written and sung at this period. We are referencing things, uh, in, uh, in like that led up to the revolution, uh, et cetera. And like, I was like, ah, oh, I could sing this and do the solo part. And I was like, no, wait, our protagonist is a very motivated and clever woman who, if we've reached this point in the story, she has triumphed because if the revolution wins and you don't, we're probably not going to get this because your head will probably be in a basket. Anyway, uh, so let's <laughs> let's let's like let's make this a, a showpiece for uh, a female uh, operatic voice. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so I brought in Annie Rosen, who is a very good friend, a wonderful mezzo-soprano Has uh, sang... Mm-hmm. All over the world, uh, but she's here in Chicago with me, uh, and uh, got her to uh, to perform that. Her French is wonderful, and she did a spectacular job. But that meant I got to sing in the choir, uh, and uh, <laughs> so uh, like I rounded up a bunch of colleagues who have uh, classical uh, vocal training and backgrounds, and we basically put together a choir out of a lot of individual recordings yeah. uh, and made it sound like we are all in the same uh, in the same concert hall. Yeah. It was great. I get to I get to finally like I'm I'm a big musical theater nerd. Uh fun okay. fact about me. So yeah. I got to finally have my big musical ending for this game potentially. You know, awesome. depending on how the, the the dominoes fall
2: anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh oh shoot. I'm going to let this plane go by really quick cuz it's
1: really loud. <laughs> There've been so many lawnmowers like over here. Oh. I, I'm like, oh, I hope it's not ruined everything. Uh, oh no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's gone now. Yeah, right? yeah, they You're, seem to have stopped yeah, entirely. More, yeah, so.
0: it's just this is what it's like when you record at home, right? It's
1: <laughs> it's a it's been dead silent for days. As soon as you go <laughs> to record, lawnmowers, <laughs> yep. planes, dogs barking, leaf blowers, weed whackers,
0: jackhammers. Yeah, good times. So here's a random question for you, John. Do you read IPA? Since you're uh, a, a classically man. trained, uh, do you? I'm just. I'm, I'm so jealous of you do. Okay, okay.
1: I, I okay. should, but uh, <laughs> I. I honestly. Okay, so I taught classical <laughs> voice for many, many years. Yeah. I had to learn that stuff to do it. I am. I am at a reference like IPA ability, so like I will have to look this up, and I know how to do it once I figure. But, but oh, I'm yeah. not. I would not say I am not fluent. Okay. In IPA, uh, yeah. unfortunately, no. That's, to my chagrin, so cool, now I've admitted it on a recording uh, <laughs> on a podcast. Jeez, now you're gonna have to perfect uh, it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I just think uh. of
0: I think of all my singer friends when I was going to college and grad school, just 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 racking, just hating learning IPA. But also, every time I go to Wikipedia, I'm just jealous. I'm like, ugh. If you only could just see I see how they pronounce this name. I know yeah. if I just knew exactly how to read IPA I could pronounce
1: anything. But yeah, the international phonetic alphabet is very useful for mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I I have this I instead I have like a terrible tendency to just be able to like uh, I feel like I'm bragging here but like gear shift my brain into uh the sound of a of a, of a language and the yeah. accent that goes with it. Yeah, you're very good at that. Yeah. To the point where, like, I will finish a performance. Like, I'm back when I was in in college, and uh, like, I'd finish a performance in. Uh, a language, like say, we, we went on uh, a tour uh, and I performed in, like, in in Italy, for example, and people thought I spoke Italian. I'm like, oh, I, I'm so sorry, I again, <laughs> so, so sorry. sorry, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I'm so <laughs> but thank so sorry. you. Uh, I, I I would expect, <laughs> I would expect to be eviscerated by actual Italians if I mispronounce things, but no, uh, instead I have fooled you all. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. <Anyway. laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. That's what it's all about.
0: Um, so you also said you, just about the game brass, and the game brass is a brass ensemble, quartet, quintet. I mean, right? Quintet. Brass, quintet? Uh, sometimes
1: we we Depends. have uh, we have yeah. s- we have six brass uh, players in our uh, in our in our in our membership. Okay. So. Uh, and uh, you know and so we we kind of expand and contract it's, it's basically is basically a quintet normally uh, okay. but, uh, but that is our uh, <laughs> that is our our, uh, our regular kind of like size but we expand up to I don't know I think we've had like 12 or 16 people for some stuff we just did an album last year of Zelda music with a large brass ensemble made up of us plus a lot of other you know video game music brass playing friends that mm-hmm. we roped into this thing uh, and so So we we kind of expand and contract as needed. Um, We're working on a new album, which is, you know, all kinds of different ensemble sizes and makeups. So sometimes it's just two trumpets, trombone, French horn, and tuba, and sometimes it's Two brass sextets warring against each other <laughs> uh, in a kind of antiphonal way. Love uh, it. With you know, so it's uh, it really kind of depends on the piece and the approach. And then we also have tons of guests on this thing coming up. It's called uh, it's it's all space music, uh, space oh, nice. and sci sci-fi theme music. It's called Brass Effect <laughs> because we're nerds, uh, I guess. <laughs> um, so anyway.
0: No, I love anyway, that. And that Zelda album. That Zelda album it's, it's so good. I mean, it just and the thing one one of my favorite things about it, it just sounds amazing. Like I don't know who mixed it or mastered it or whatever. It just sound it sounds like you guys are all in the same church, cathedral. And I'm fairly sure you weren't, but I mean maybe you were. But no, it, no, we it were, sounds
1: amazing. Everything we've done is recorded all over the all over the world sometimes. We have I some international me- yeah. people who play with us and it is a process to try to get it to, um, all sound like it's in the same place. Like this is yeah. a, this is a thing that like, um, a lot of us like, uh, ha- come from a kind of a background of like, uh, of, of video game, uh, music remixing. Like we're okay. writing, uh, arrangements of video game tunes and putting them together and collaborating with our friends, et cetera. Um, and that's where I met most of the people, uh, that like originally that i used uh on uh on ambition mm-hmm. uh and uh and like where I first connected with my friends uh when we formed the game brass uh and so like we've been putting together these largish or smallish ensembles out of remote recordings individual you know isolated recordings for years now and we've kind of gotten it down to a science I think most of the stuff for that one was, like, I, I think it all went through uh, Thomas Kresge, uh who did like the the primary like mixing, etc. Like okay. all of the stuff on the Zelda album was, I believe, all arranged by uh, Daniel Romberger, who's our trombonist. But the the mix and stuff was Thomas Kresge, and like we, you know, uh, I think we all like 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 uh, I think like Robbie. Uh, Duguay did uh, like some of the mastering stuff as well, uh, but I don't have those exact things in front of me, because we switch That's jobs okay. a lot yeah. on things, yeah, but sure. but usually all the mixed stuff handle is handled by Thomas, and he's just got this down to a science, like, you know, a lot of uh, a fun routing stuff, and side-chaining this, and putting things through different reverbs to kind of bring us into, like, alignment with each other, so we sound like we're in the same place, <laughs> uh, and then, like, piping us all through, like, some master reverbs on the back end, and It's a process, but it works reasonably well and sounds really good when we're done. I mean, are you just amazed? Are you just amazed when you hear it? You're like, holy shit,
0: we sound amazing. I mean, I know you guys are amazing players, but you know what I mean? You must hear that and be like,
1: damn. (laughs) You know, even now, like, it is it is frequently, like, I will sit here and go like, like, oh, we sound really good. Like, it's like it is – there is something to be said for, like, like, hearing this stuff come out that is – I I don't even think to myself that like your brain doesn't for a second think that, Oh, we recorded these all in our bedrooms kind of thing. Like, like it doesn't sound like it was, it it was, it was the modern technology has come so far, uh, that we can create like really good sounding ensembles out of completely disparate recordings with completely different microphone setups. Like Mm -hmm. we, we try to, we try to like unify like some elements of our production so that they all work together. But it is, absolutely impressive how much we have been able to you you know make things sound as if they were in the same place when you listen to that album or any of the things we release you never for once think that we aren't all together like it doesn't enter your mind until you remember actually recording it all and the fact that you were definitely by yourself uh <laughs> so um it is it's weird it's it's mm-hmm. uh it has become like this it, it is it has become a, a really uh Im- impressive thing like going back mm-hmm. to look at our very first few things like we sounded good but we are we've got this production quality like on a whole nother level at this point so <laughs>
0: Can't wait to hear the next album, and, you know, hopefully we'll all get together and, and have a chat, or some of us, or all of us, or whatever, yeah. but hopefully we'll have the Game Brass on level and talk about the new album when it drops later this summer, right? The end of the summer, yeah, early fall, something like that? Yeah, that'd be super
1: cool. Uh, that's the hope. Yeah, yeah. we should okay. be out before yeah. some uh, the year Sometime in
0: there, yeah. We'll, we'll get it done. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, so, what are you working on right now that you can actually talk about? What's, uh, what's in your uh, back pocket, uh, musically?
1: I, or front I pocket? Think I- I think I can only talk about one thing right now that I'm working on, uh, and that is uh, uh, that is a game called Chia, T C H I A, made by my friends over at Awaseb, uh, the people that did Fossil Echo. Uh, yeah. It is uh, it's coming out. Uh, hopefully, later this year, if everything works out. Okay. Uh, I don't want to give any dates because we haven't announced them yet. Okay. Uh, and I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> right. But it's a game that is uh, it's a, it's a third-person action-adventure uh, set on, uh, on, a, in, on a couple of islands, uh, very much inspired uh, by New Caledonia, which is uh, uh, where most of the team is from. Um, these small islands, uh, basically between Australia and New Zealand, uh, they are, you know, French, uh, a French colony, uh, and they are, uh, they've got this, this really rich uh, cultural history and mythology and all these other interesting elements of their culture that we have tried to bring into the game. Um, I did a lot of digging and deep diving into like you know music documentaries and french musicological journals on music of new caledonia to try my best to represent uh hmm. the sound of this culture, and then also to like make that function in a game, you know, wow, because again, yeah. like everything is like trying to represent this sound, but also like the way the game, you know, it would, like any game, like you have to have interactive music, you have to have like ambient stuff, and like you know the you know the folk music, um, you know of the uh, of the native Kanak uh, people is is you know very interesting and different, like, taking elements of that and then applying it to uh, to this and trying to represent it in a, in a, in a truthful way. Like, there mm-hmm. are a whole bunch of songs in this uh, as well that we wrote both in French oh, cool. and in Trehu, which is uh, the... Uh, one of the many, like, different language dialects that are, that are spoken there. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, the entire game is... You know, there's everything in the game is in french drehu so you have to like read subtitles the entire time we're doing our best to like make a game that is about you know and inspired by new caledonia and new mm-hmm. caledonian culture and mythos and mythology and uh mm. and it's it's cool it looks gorgeous if you if you get a chance to see what it looks like it is mm-hmm. it is it is beautiful uh it is all lovely sunsets and sand and you know, mangrove trees and, and swamps and, and mountains and it's, it's a, a beautiful setting for a game and the music has been a heck of a lot of fun to write, it's very different than other stuff I've written and very <laughs> different than Ambition uh, and uh, I'm, I'm super stoked to share it with people uh, when it does come out yeah. uh, later on uh, it should be neat uh, you can you can find out that stuff uh, if you drop by our uh, you know like the easiest way to do it is just keep in touch with uh, with our Twitter and uh, we're at uh, at awaseb a w a c e b.
0: You know, I had to check my calendar as soon as you said the name of that game because I put it on my wish list. So I've seen, I've seen the trailer or something at some point, mm-hmm. and I was like, I have to have that game. So I love that you're the composer for
1: it. That makes me want it even more. <laughs> it's, I, I'm really happy with it. I hope you like the music when it comes out. It's a, oh, it's a, sure. it's a, it's a real, a, a very uh, joyful game, honestly. like I, cool. I, think, I think people are going to get a kick out of it.
0: Nice, nice. Love it. Uh, wow. I mean, with regards to ambition, if we can go back to that. Um, sure. You know, since, since you've had training in classical music and, you know, you knew about the classical era before you started approaching this music to write. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what did you learn about that era or what? how did you deep dive? Or, I mean, I guess I'm curious about, you know, what your relationship was with music of the classical era, which is, again, just kind of a short period of time, right? Like 1750-ish to early 1800s just goes by like that. Uh, you know, what so, was your relationship with that?
1: Uh, well, like I said, I, I grew up, like, playing in orchestras and stuff like that and hearing yeah. hearing this stuff and, like, not just, like, on records, but also, you know, if you've ever played in orchestras growing up, uh, you know, with, with especially or in any kind of ensemble where you break things down and you'll hear the conductor you know, strip away, no winds, we're going to work on just strings here, or let's listen to just the flutes for this, but you start to just absorb through osmosis, or at least if you're me, absorb through osmosis, like how this stuff is written, how the inner parts line up. You can also mm-hmm. just sit there and do, you know, a ton of score study and like, look at how this, uh, this music was written. Look at the counterpoint, look at how orchestration was handled. But, um, you know, I kind of, I came through it through, uh, came to it through a, a little bit more of a, of a naturalistic uh, approach of just being immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, when I started looking at this game, I'm like, like okay, cool, great. We're setting this in, you know, it's it's set in France at this very specific historical period. And the very first thing I realized is, like, looking at, like, what French composers are prominent to this point, And the answer is, like, no one. <laughs> like there's yeah. very few because and I very there quickly realized, <laughs> you know well, that's the thing I very quickly realized like oh yeah what's popular there is popular everywhere you know hmm. like it, it, suddenly like you're like oh yeah this is like what's popular in Italy is popular in you know is popular in Vienna is popular in Paris is popular in London because yeah. that's how it works suddenly we've got this very like international kind of music scene suddenly uh, and that meant that's like oh well, really, like I can honestly like pulling on the stuff like, you know, pulling on, you know, there are a few exceptions, uh, but like pulling on stuff like, you know, Mozart and Haydn and stuff is not ridiculous because that's the stuff that's popular anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely consciously hold like harmonic and melodic ideas from French composers that like, if you step back a couple of decades to like, you know, like, uh, Jean-Baptiste, uh, Lully, for example, you know, or, uh, uh who else? Um, Oh, I was right there a second ago. My brain just like failed on me. Um, <laughs> but like like looking at like like French composers and like things like the the French overture style rhythms that are like associated with with French music, there's like a specific like extremely dotted eighth sixteenth rhythm that you hear in like that style where it's this, it's almost like a double dotted eighth thirty second pop. <laughs> ta-dum, ta-dum, and we yeah. exaggerate this uh, big time. It becomes like a, a centerpiece of something called like the French overture style where you hear mm-hmm. this stuff and like, let's take as many French elements from when french music was like when the french composers were uh more uh ascendant let's say take that stuff and then mix them with the sound that is very popular uh of the at the period that we're in right now the the mozartian sound if you will the kind of like like this this sort of stuff that we have in this this late 1800s and like and then come up with uh the thing that sounds french But yeah, also sounds international Mm -hmm. and and appropriate for the period. And then like we can skew various ways for the different uh, other factions. You know, we can we can pull more from, like I said, I keep going back to uh, to Haydn because he's like the master of string quartets. We can pull from him, you know, for our uh, for our bourgeoisie stuff. We can pull from, Mm -hmm. you know, we can pull from uh, some older uh, older stuff for like pull some. Pull some Vivaldi for the uh, for yeah. the the church faction, and and like lean into those sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it is. That it, it, it was the biggest realization. Was like I, I after trying to find a like distinctive French sound, I wound up. Realizing that hey, there really isn't that much of a distinct sound, it is more like like there are composers that are super you know popular internationally that are also popular in France, and I'm trying to remember one particular composer's name who I I did come into. Uh, uh, some prominence at this point uh mm-hmm. and and that is uh uh Joseph uh Bologna uh, who is the Chevalier de Saint Georges who's this very interesting oh. character yeah. you may have heard of uh, oh yes you know uh he's you know he's of, he's of African descent he's mm-hmm. so Stupidly popular within like these circles that he's mm-hmm. in, uh, yeah, the time. guy, like, like, his his life story sounds like it would make an amazing film, yes. and his music is also really, really very good.
2: Yeah, it's um, beautiful. And so mm-hmm. it's like,
1: like I dug into his stuff, like because like here's a French composer writing in the French style, popular in France at this period in history. He's not very well known nowadays, but his stuff is really quite good, and like. Taking a, yes, he's still speaking the same musical language that everyone else in Europe is at the time, mm-hmm. and so it's like yeah. let's let's pull from this stuff too, like and basically like at the very beginning, I just I would go to sleep like every night just like listening to different operas and different symphonies and just kind of like Im- you know wake up and like immerse myself in this. I, I wrote yeah. pretty much all of the music in in uh, notation form, like off the bat, like which is something that a lot of times when you're working in game music, even if you are a composer that like can read sheet music and mm-hmm. can write and do counterpoint and knows your music theory, etc., you generally don't have time to do that. But in this case, I needed to sit down and write it in, hmm. in score form because the counterpoint was too intense. The orchestration went hand-in-hand hand with everything else, and I needed to make sure that it was all lining up properly black and white on a page Uh, and so like I'd sit there and write stuff in notation and then take it and go from there you know and like seeing it written out like that meant that you could see it and you could compare it to the scores that you could access for these other composers and say like does this feel like it you know does it look the same it's just like it's almost like uh, you know, a, a musical like like rapid test like does this does this seem like it could be you know is this these feel like they are in the same ballpark do they sound similar enough does mm-hmm. you know I never want to copy anything although there are a few absolutely like hidden jokes in here hidden references <laughs> to other things uh, that maybe yeah uh, the discerning uh, classical music <laughs> nerd will find uh, and recognize. for the most part, you're trying to do something that sounds like stuff that isn't actually that stuff. So, uh, right. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I may have gotten a bit far afield from the original <laughs> Not at question. All.
0: Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. It, it went where it needed to go. Uh, I, I just thought it was such a fun, what a fun project for you and, and what a successful project. And, uh, I just, I really enjoyed hearing all of it. And, you know what
1: else? What else do you want to say about it
0: before?
1: Well, uh, I feel like uh, like right now, like we've we've released on Steam uh, and we've been fairly successful there. It's it's a small thing, uh, mm-hmm. but hopefully we will uh, within you know the next few months before the year is out, we should be uh, uh, we should be out on Switch as well. And fingers nice. crossed that should be uh, hopefully <laughs> a bit of a uh, reach a big bit uh, a bit of a bigger audience. Plus, you yeah. know. Uh, it's a great game to play while laying in bed or wa- lying on the yeah. couch, just chilling relaxing, and uh, yep. plug your headphones in and listen to this uh, this interesting uh, music that I've written for y'all. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's probably about it. Like we've got have uh, got another version coming. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, probably by the time this goes up, we'll find out if. Uh, and this is incredibly self-serving and self-congratulatory. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see if any of the, the, the nominations that we got for the gang awards go through. Uh, right. if I, if anyone ha- if we, uh, if we were to win any of those, it'd be mm-hmm. cool. Yep. It's certainly a unique project. So it's super neat just to be nominated alongside yeah. all of these other like wonderful things. Um, yep. but yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, is, are there any more questions you have for me? I mean, I,
0: we've gone over quite a bit, and I just absolutely loved getting finally caught up with you. It's been way too long, and, uh, you know, yeah, can't wait to hear Chia. I am so excited about that now, way more excited than I already was when I put it on my calendar. I'll have <sighs> be to fun. push I mean, it off
1: yeah. a few months, but I'll, <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. It'll be a little while before it's out. It'll be fine. It's you, fine. Know, you, can, yeah. you can hear the, uh, the, the soundtrack that I taught myself to badly play guitar for. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, Play guitar and play the game has a like fun like We've uh we have in the game designed a playable ukulele that you carry around with you. And you use it to do different things and there are songs that you play along with, but it is fully functional. You can play all the notes and all these chords. (laughs) Uh and like I designed this system so you can like, okay, what, how can we make this map to an Xbox controller? You know, like, we got two yeah. thumbsticks, four face buttons, bumpers, and triggers. How do we do this? Uh, and so, like, designing a system that would allow you to play, mm-hmm. you know, the ukulele and play any, you know, we wanted to come up with something you could play any tune on. So, now you can. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. That's going to be amazing. Mm. It should be fun. Well,
0: it was so great to to get caught up, like I said, and um, always nice to hear your music and I, I just excited for what's next. So thanks so much for chatting with me today.
1: You're most welcome. It's always a pleasure. Glad to see your face. It's been a while. Yes, I know. Oh. It's been too long.
0: We'll get to a con together at one of these points. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about John Robert Matz, you can see a playlist, and you can support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with John Robert on the Level with Emily YouTube channel, uh, which is youtube.com slash Emily. Reese, <laughs> and please do subscribe to our YouTube channel to get all the new videos of interviews. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.